And welcome everyone to Small Biz Matters live in the studios of Triple H 100.1 FM and across the community radio network. You're listening to me, Alexi Boyd, and we're talking all things small business this week. It's a busy couple of weeks at the moment for you guys. We know that you are stumbling towards the finish line. That is Christmas. Perhaps a um, self-inflicted wound. We all need a break after this ridiculous amount of work that we're all doing to try and get to Christmas. There's a certain amount of irony in that. But we hope that you're doing well. We hope that your sales are up despite uh, what economic conditions might be indicating. And we hope that you are looking after yourselves and looking forward to some time with your families. Now, we know on this program we talk a lot about advocacy and we talk about the importance of being involved both at the local, state and federal level and understanding who looks after us in all of these different groups. And today we have James Pearson, who is the CEO of the Australian Chamber of Commerce. Now, I know a lot of you out there are going to say to yourselves, what on earth has the Australian Chamber of Commerce got to do with me and my small business? Sometimes when we run a business, we can feel a little bit isolated, a little bit separated from the rest of our small business community locally, let alone what's happening on the national stage. Now, that's what's great about these advocacy groups. They take in, they absorb, they have membership base in the tens of thousands, and they are considering you and your small business at the federal level when they're talking to other advocacy groups, when they're talking to legislators, when they're talking to administrators of um, those laws that affect us on a day-to-day level. Now, James Pearson is the CEO of the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and he joins us today to talk about what this group does to support us as small business owners. Welcome to the program, James. Great to be here. It's, it's lovely to have you in the studio. We've been talking about having you on for a number of, um, a number of months now, but I think um, what I'm keen to talk about with you and, and I guess instill in the knowledge of, of, of our listeners is what exactly is the Chamber of Commerce and how do you support small business on a granular level with being such a large organisation? Great questions. And uh, look, it is great to be here today. And uh, you, in your intro, you were talking about Christmas and people kind of uh, almost falling over the line. It kind of feels like that, doesn't it? It has been an enormous year uh, in business and in politics. And uh, our team at the Australian Chamber has been uh, as busy as many. And uh, look, the way we work is that we bring together the chambers of commerce and industry in each state and territory, as well as some 80 national and some state industry associations. And we represent their interests at the national level. So most of my team are based in Canberra, along with me, um, in the middle of the bubble, uh, because that's where a lot of the decisions and the debates take place. But in order to understand what's going to make a difference for small business and get that message through in a meaningful way to federal politicians, we've got to be really, really well connected with small business people right around the country. And we do that through close relations with our members, the Chambers of Commerce and the Industry Association. So a local Chamber of Commerce like Hornsby, for example, um, it'll have uh, members who are connected with the New South Wales Business Chamber, which is the New South Wales State Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Um, They sit on our board. We work very closely with them on issues at the federal level. So they go to bat for small business at the state level. Local chambers like Hornsby, for example, go to bat at the local government, the council level. We go into bat at the national level. And a lot of national decisions kind of cascade down and impact small businesses. Big issues like tax, for example, instant asset write-off, workplace relations, um, getting access to skills, for example. The federal government actually has its hands on an awful lot of levers that affect the 
future for small businesses. And the day-to-day operating of a small business as well. You mentioned tax, you know, that's obviously at a federal level. How do you have that trickle-down effect for other parts of legislation? Or do you think that your responsibility to look after at a national level in terms of legislation and administration, and then you've got the New South Wales business chamber that would say look after New South Wales law or the Northern Territory business. Is that how it works? You have your own levels of government that you, I guess, um, collaborate with uh, and then each each group is, is responsible for... I'm just trying to get an idea of the hierarchy and how it works. Oh, you, you, you've nailed it pretty well. Of course, there's a bit of overlap. So because Australia um, has this unique gift to the political world of being a, a federation, the states and territories in this kind of seemingly endless... Uh, struggle with the Commonwealth government, uh, there's often issues that state governments have a very important role to play in addressing and resolving and often on issues like, for example, the price of energy, its reliability. Um, that's where the, the kind of intersection between state and territory governments and the, the Commonwealth government becomes really important when you've got this mishmash of policies. And our job nationally is to try and encourage consistency between the national government and the state governments and equally we work with our state chambers of commerce and industry uh, to encourage that consistency uh, through their lobbying. So we like to think of that we're a a broad-based movement that can bring influence and pressure to bear on behalf of small businesses at the state and territory level and at the national level, almost like a pincer movement if you like. And when we're working well, that's what it looks like. So tell me about, in relation to the way that you are working in terms of getting everybody to speak to one another, how do those machinations work? Is it because you're all sitting in one giant boardroom table and you're kind of discussing it and coming up with solutions that are then put forward to politicians as uh, requests, as a wish list kind of thing? How does, it, how does it work on a really granular level in terms of those meetings Or is it you're just lobbying and you're meeting with lots of different ministers and talking about the needs and the requirements of small business? We're we're very organised and you have to be. You also have to be really well prioritised because you would never get to sleep if you try to have a crack at everything that impacts small businesses. So we are we're talking to our members every day of the week on a range of issues. Um, our priority issues are workplace relations, skills, uh, trade and economic reform. And so we're putting a lot of our discretionary effort into those conversations with our members. We bring members along to have meetings at Parliament House in Canberra, for example, with key ministers recently, with uh, ministers responsible for apprenticeships and training, Uh, for migration, uh, uh, for the environment, uh, for deregulation. So we can have those conversations and help our members have those conversations in real time. And one of the things that I've learned in this job is that if you can give real case studies, real examples of how government policy is impacting a small business operator uh, down the road, that often has a lot more impact than um, a surprising amount of of uh, paper in terms of a formal submission. You need that too because you've got to influence the bureaucracy. You've got to influence the public servants. You've got to have numbers otherwise. You've yeah, got to have numbers, yeah, that's true. You've got to have true. data. And so you need to introduce influence at the political level and often you do that through stories and you've got to influence at the bureaucratic level where policy is written, rewritten, drafted and so on and there you need hard fact and evidence and often, yeah, it's about volume, quality and volume, getting it through. So we've got a team of people people in Canberra, Sydney, Melbourne and Perth uh, who work very well at influencing 
government decision makers, whether they be politicians or the advisers that the politicians listen to. So it's a balance between them understanding what the real world problems are for small business and you bringing those to the table, but also understanding the bigger picture about what your sense of what small business is experiencing as a whole. I'm I'm quite curious to know when you represent, I mean, you've brought with us a a list of all of your members, which not only represents small business, but also larger organisations as well. You are the Commerce and Industry Chamber. How do you balance all of those, um, I guess, requests and and important aspects of running businesses for all those different types of businesses, different levels, different sizes? How do you balance what you believe is important and what gives you the right to say what is important on behalf of small business? How is it that you're able to be a spokesperson when, say anybody on the street can't. What is it that gives you that ability? Well, what sets the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, what sets ACI apart from any other group, is the breadth and depth of our representation. So um, there's hundreds of thousands of businesses that are represented by our 80 industry associations and eight state and territory chambers of commerce and industry, they're employing upwards of 4 million Australians. When you consider that 98% of all Australian businesses are small businesses, well, that's the proportion pretty much um, that Aki represents. So we go in there with conversations with our members who volunteer to sit on committees that discuss and debate policy issues with us. My secretariat, my team comes up with ideas, members come up with ideas in those committees. We thrash them out. Uh, my, it's my great um, philosophy that guides me is that let's have the really strong argument internally. Let's really thrash out and test our position. Let's make sure it's going to help small business before we take it out into the wide world. And that way we're battle ready. That way we're battle hardened, we're match fit. And and that philosophy helps us withstand the inevitable pushback we get from people who say don't want to spend the money or aren't convinced that it's the right thing to do, don't understand why small business needs a particular uh, form of support at this, at this point in time. So we have this continual uh, process of consultation with what is the most representative group of business people in the country. That's what gives us the confidence to go in, and sometimes we go in hard, publicly and privately, on issues that matter for uh, for business. And you made the point, uh, Alexi, that it's not just small business, it also includes larger businesses. That's true. And we're guided by the principle that overarching policy at the national level that frees up the market, that opens up opportunities for all businesses, is going to help small business. And it's a little known fact that most of the business done by small businesses in Australia is actually with bigger businesses and vice versa. We often think of retail businesses dealing directly with retail customers, and that's a very, very important part of the economy and for many businesses. But big businesses and small businesses, we don't want to get in the the, um, the zero-sum game of choosing which one we love the best. We want to work for them all, but there's no doubt that when 98% of businesses in this country are small business, that's where a lot of innovation comes from. It's where a lot of Australians are working. You know, a third of young people... Um, uh, with a job or working in small businesses, fully 40% of all apprentices in Australia are working on small businesses. They are a big deal, and that's one of the reasons that we campaign under the slogan, small business is a big deal, because it's the truth, and our job is to get politicians to recognise that. Speaking of politicians and them, them recognising the importance of the group, um, we were talking just before we came on air about there, there seems to be a better collaboration, say, in the last five or ten years between the advocacy groups um, and government. 
Do you think that's a political standpoint and it's just where they sit at the moment or is that because of all the hard work that the advocacy groups have done over the last few years to say, well, hang on a second, we, we are important? I mean, small business, I don't get the sense that small business really had a voice maybe 15 or 20 years ago, but through the slogans um, that you guys have and COSBOA has, it seems to be giving us more importance. So where do you think that shift has come from? Has it been from the political side of things where they've opened themselves up to more collaboration or is it because we, through you, have been pushing for that advocacy? I think that it probably has always been there, but it's been behind the scenes. One of the things I've noticed in my advocacy career, which goes back a few decades now, and that is that a lot more of the lobbying is done in public. It's done in the public square, whereas before a lot of it was done um, not so much behind closed doors, but it was done directly with ministers and bureaucrats, and not a lot of it was as visible as it is now. And look, I we can blame social and digital media for a lot of things, but it has democratised and opened up the process of influence. Um, and so I think you're probably seeing more of it in public than you used to. Um, there's no doubt that campaigns like our Small Business is a Big Deal campaign, which we launched uh, for the last federal election and which we're keeping going with because it's had such good buy-in and support, not just from politicians, but more importantly from small business people around the country. That helps maintain the profile. Look, I've got a, a, a saying that I'm fond of, and that is, look, if you're not at the table, then you're probably on the menu. And <laughs> my job and Aki's job, my team's job, is to make sure that small business is at the table. And, you know, whether that table's in um, a formal meeting room in Parliament House in Canberra, whether it's uh, at a uh, an open forum uh, here in Sydney, or whether it's out in a regional community where people really are doing it tough at the moment, particularly where they've been hit by drought and more recently the scourge of bushfires, it's about being at the right table at the right time with the right message. You're right, Alexi, politicians are paying more attention publicly and that's great and we've got to make the most of that because you know things can turn and um you can't take anything for granted and that's why we'll keep campaigning that small business is a big deal and also we'll keep putting in front of politicians the key issues that matter for small businesses it's a really good way to sum things up, isn't it? It's, it's interesting to see the way that um, the relationship has evolved over time or maybe not evolved, but like you said, it's just more out in the open. Um, and through programs like this as well with Small Biz Matters, we're talking more about advocacy and we're, we're really pushing for politicians to sit up and take notice and also uh, regulators and legislators as well. You're listening to Small Biz Matters and when we come back after the break, we're going to talk to, small, uh, to James a little bit more about the global perspective um, and how uh, Australian is or is not Australian small business is or is not competing on a global scale. You're listening to Small Biz Matters. We'll be back after this. So today we're talking to James Pearson, who is the CEO of the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Before the break, he was explaining to us what the role of the Chamber is, um, I guess, on a national scale. But James, I want to talk to you about the global scales because the reality is everybody who runs a business now runs it in the whole world <laughs> from being online with having a digital presence, social media presence, which of course is is global, but importantly, the ability for the Australian small business associate, oh, you know, faculty, not the faculty, the family of Australian small businesses to be able to compete on the world stage. Where does the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry fit in with that? How do you... Um, influence policy, but also support small businesses who are trying to get a foothold in the global economy. That's a great insight. And I, I do wish that even more small business owners and operators 
understood that, like it or not, they're doing business in the whole world. And sometimes it'll feel for some of them they're doing business against the whole world. And one of the things that we try to do at Aki is change that around. Uh, we've had a long-standing partnership with Austrade, for example, uh, the government agency that's set up to support Australian firms who want to export. And both we and Austrade recognise that small and medium enterprises in Australia are frankly underperforming in terms of exports compared to other countries. There are a lot of reasons for that. Um, the fact that we're an island, we're geographically far distant from a lot of key markets. But as you made the point, uh, in a digital modern world, those distances are, are shrinking all of the time. And when you can buy and sell online, there's almost no distance in a sense. We are partners with Austrade in the National Export Awards and uh, they are done at state level initially and territory level, often with members of ours, um, Chambers of Commerce and Industry, and we partner with Austrade at the National uh, Export Awards and we've been really impressed by the increased number of small and medium enterprises that are finalists in those awards. I actually get to be a judge every year and in the last four years that I've been doing it, I've been really taken uh, taken aback by the number of small businesses that are getting to the finals, uh, the increased diversity of what they do, and anyone who says that manufacturing in our country is dead or dying is just plain wrong. These are manufacturers mainly, and they're doing some amazing innovative stuff, really groundbreaking and, and, and world-changing stuff, and they're Australian. Uh, so there's an example, but we need to do more. We'd like to see the government put more money into export market development grants. We'd like to see the government put more effort into supporting small businesses understand all of these trade agreements that our governments are negotiating with other countries and help small businesses actually understand how to use them to their full advantage. We came up with a two-page guide recently, which we uh, have been shopping around inside government, and that compared with the government's um, first attempt, which was, um, I think, more than a dozen pages. Now, um, what we're doing now is working much more closely with them to actually translate the great work that government does sealing deals with other countries to make them more easy to use for small businesses. So look, there's a lot we're doing. And if people are frustrated at the rate of economic growth in Australia, which to be fair, is still better than a lot of developed countries, then look overseas where you've got big markets growing very, very strongly. That's where you can get your product or service into. Of course, it's difficult. Of course, it can be nerve wracking and testing. But with government and with chambers around the country whose job it is to help, we can do it. What does that support look like? I like the idea of um, a better understanding of, around uh, exporting and importing and working with other countries, particularly because all of those trade negotiations is something that small business is never really going to understand. Hmm. Is that support um, in the form of maybe some online training and understanding, say, OK, I want to deal with Japan. What are some of the... In, issues that I need to deal with and need to understand in order to work with Japan? What are the intricacies around their legislation or their their policy that I need to know about if I'm going into that market? Is that an education space that the government needs to um, needs to hold or is that something more that the chamber movement should be doing? What, is that, what does that support look like? 
Well, it looks like both because uh, the government's got the capacity through um, its access to taxpayers' dollars to pay for the support to, uh, and chambers are really well placed across the country and many of them already do this to provide that kind of information as well as to some cases kind of hand-holding. Some chambers, um, New South Wales and Victoria, for example, have had very active programs in country, in other countries like China, for example, to support small and medium uh, enterprises. Others, like the West Australian Chamber, which I'm familiar with, uh, and the South Australians, the Queenslanders, provide other forms of practical assistance. But they are there to help. And they're often... These are the state and territory-level chambers because they've got the the size and the organisational capacity to do that. But government's got a critical role. So, for example, when government negotiates a new trade agreement, sometimes it overlaps on an existing trade agreement with that country or countries because when you have one-on-one trade agreements then you have regional trade agreements then they can get duplication and sometimes it just gets too hard for small business operators to work out well what tariff should I use what rules am I supposed to follow so we've asked the government to work with us to actually simplify things so if someone wants to do business with Japan they can really quickly find out well what's the tariff what are the rules, and the Chambers of Commerce and Industry at state level are there to provide assistance. And one of the other services they can provide, which is really important for exporters, is they provide certificates of origin, which are a formal document which guarantees that this particular item that they're selling comes from Australia. And that becomes more and more important in a world where country of origin particularly given Australia's very, very strong reputation for quality product, uh, is becoming more and more important. Do, is that a difficult uh, certificate to get? How long does that usually take to get for, a, for a, a, an organisation that's you know, manufacturing in Australia? How long does it take for the government to produce that sort of certificate so they can move into global markets? Oh, we produce... We, we the Chamber Movement, uh, Chambers, uh, the State uh, and Territory Chambers of Commerce and Industry, they produce the certificates. Uh, they're digitised nowadays uh, and you just need to front up at your local chamber, the fir- your state chamber, the first time, talk through the process. It's a very easy, it's a very simple process our members work to make it simple because they know that the last thing that small business exporters needs is more red tape. So we streamline it wherever possible. But uh, I couldn't tell you how many times um, our members and Aki have stepped in to help Australian exporters when they have issues. And that certificate of origin is often what makes the difference between them getting their goods into the other country and not because it says that this is a genuine Australian product And it's got the stamp from the Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And chambers of commerce around the world are recognised by governments because they've been around for hundreds of years as authoritative, credible, trustworthy organisations. And, you know, we talked before a bit about the chamber movement and why it matters and um, the influence it has. And one of the important reasons for its influence even today is because we are trusted, we mean what we say and we know what we're talking about. You mentioned red tape and compliance. We're always tripping up over that and we know that it can be quite a barrier to just running small business in in general. And then you've got um, Aki who are an important role in working with government to try and reduce red tape and compliance. It's obviously something that you're very passionate about. Can you give me some examples, um, quite recent 
times when you've actually made a really big difference with those compliance issues for small business and for your members? You know, migration is a really uh, hot topic, uh, even a vexed issue for some people. And while on the one hand, the government has been cutting back on the total number of migrants it's going to allow to become permanent migrants in Australia each year, and that's something that we disagree with the government and will continue to lobby on because we see migration as a positive benefit for Australia. We've uh, been able to work with the government to see the proportion of skilled migrants, which are of most interest to business, including small business, increase. We've worked with the government to provide a more incentive and try to encourage more skilled migrants to move into regional areas where there is a real problem of attracting and retaining people. Uh, and skilled migration is part of the answer uh, to those problems. And so that's a demonstration that I'm very proud of, of what my team's achieved in working within the government's agenda to actually try and increase the benefit for business, including small business, because big businesses tend to be able to navigate their way around and through government regulations and the bureaucracy much more easily than small business. Sometimes big businesses have entire departments and divisions well, set exactly. up Well, exactly. They've do got it. the people. They've well, got the people and the money to be able to spend time lobbying and for their own interests. Exactly. And sometimes it's, and it's factored in as a cost of doing business. But when you're a small business person, when you're a, a price taker, not a price maker, when you're, if you like, um, uh, at the mercy of things, uh, and when when you don't have the time or perhaps the knowledge to navigate your way through those uh, those shoals, those uh, tricky currents of, uh, of government rules and regulations, that's where the Chamber of Commerce and Industry comes in. And that's where our industry associations come in. And so helping uh, them actually get a voice at the table, which we talked about before, and get persuading government to make it easier for smaller business people to get access, in this case, to skilled migrants, in other cases to cutting red tape around, for example, um, hiring people and managing their workforce, uh, for example, access to uh, information about how to register a business. That's an initiative which we strongly support that the government's recently announced. These are all practical ways where the chamber movement and industry associations can make a difference for small business who simply can't do it by themselves. And so that's the power of the collective and that's what Aki's all about. How does a small business owner access, apart from their local and state chambers and, and all those resources, how do they connect with you, the Australian Chamber of Commerce, if they feel that there's something at a national level that they'd have their voice? Is it something that has to go through, trickle through their professional association that has to be a member of Aki before you would listen to any of their concerns? Well, the short answer is yes. The way to do it is through their uh, state or territory chamber of commerce and industry, or if they're through an industry association that's a member of ours. And the fact is, is that, you know, the leading national industry associations, um, most of them are members of Aki. So most small businesses probably have at least one, maybe even two or more ways into Aki. But yeah, you've got to be active uh, in your uh, state or territory chamber of commerce and industry or your industry association. And, and that's the way you get the message through. And you know, if it's a significant issue, then it won't take long before um, people will gather around it and it'll get a critical mass and it'll come to our attention. And look, it's all about um, persuasion. It's all about putting the evidence in, in, in front of us. But the other thing is, and it's one of the reasons I spend a lot of my time um, on the road and in aeroplanes, 
is because I know that Canberra is not Australia. And bless Canberra, and I love living there, and they're delightful people, <laughs> and it's a well-funded place to live, I can tell you that. But I know that that's not Australia. And getting out and about is a really important part of my job. Even you and I talking today is an important part of my job, and I've got no doubt that on LinkedIn and other social media, um, you and I will get feedback, and that'll help me to understand that much better what's going on. So, no... Um, in that sense, you don't have to be a member of an organisation like a chamber or an industry association to have an influence. But by crikey, it really helps. And if you want to be serious about it and you want to really see something happen for the betterment and for the long term, join the chamber, join the chamber movement. It's been around for hundreds of years and there's a reason for that. It's because it gets the job done for small business. Well, in fact, the Hornsby Chamber of Commerce celebrated its 100th year this yep. year and we're one of the oldest chambers in the country. Yep. It is a very important cornerstone of small business because, like I said at the beginning of the program, a lot of people who might not be a member of a professional association because of the way innovation works, maybe there is no professional association that they feel actually represents them. Mm. But you can still go through your local and your state chamber movement and have some representation through that and, and like you said it, it takes one person to raise an issue and then that gets some momentum and then it can be raised at a higher and a higher level until maybe it can actually make some some good impact yeah you know um i'm obviously um the hired hand and i'm paid like my small secretariat team is paid but we are in awe of the amount of time and effort that people volunteer to be part of um, chambers of commerce and industry associations around the country. Um, they put in hours and hours and hours and they deserve the highest level of respect. And I hope we very much, we give them that every day because they're choosing to put their own time into this to make a difference. That's time they're not giving to their business. It's time they're not giving to themselves or the families as well. And that's one of the things that we remind ourselves constantly inside Aki and that is we are going into bat for people who don't have the time or don't have the uh, ability um, to go into bat for themselves, they will support us, they will help us. And at the end of the day, it's working together that gives us the power that politicians listen to. And they do listen to us. We were talking before about some of the things we've achieved. The instant asset write-off, that was an Aki idea. And now we're working hard to get it extended to more businesses, uh, lift the rate and have it last for longer. Tax cuts for small, medium and family enterprises. That was something that Aki campaigned for. That's made thousands if not tens of thousands of dollars to the bottom lines every year of small and medium businesses right around the country. I've talked about access to skilled migration um, and work health and safety. The government's still talking about Aki's initiative called Part and Parcel which is designed to get regulators and policymakers in workplace health and safety around the country to recognise that the needs and experience of small business operators and workers in small businesses are different from those in larger businesses. And helping small business operators to understand their work health and safety obligations and how to uh, make sure they have uh, healthy and safe workplaces in a way that is practical and makes sense and they don't become fearful of has been a major step forward. So I'd like to think that even though we talk about high policy issues down in the Canberra bubble, they make a practical 
difference for the better for small businesses around our country. That's a really great way to, to sum up what the, the Chamber movement and in fact that the Australian Chamber of Commerce does for small business. When we come back after the break, I want to ask you one final question about where do you see the next five to ten years uh, for the Australian small business landscape, um, particularly economically, but also speaking in terms of um, any changes and major policy changes maybe you see on the horizon. You're listening to Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back with the CEO of the Australian Chamber of Commerce after this. Welcome back to Triple H. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. And if you've just tuned in, we're speaking to James Pearson, the CEO of the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. If you've missed any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via our iTunes channel, which has over 150 long-form educational podcasts just like this one, which is pertinent to every business around the country. We talk about sales and marketing. We talk about legal. We talk about anything you need to know and if we haven't covered a topic and you'd like to speak on it come and get in touch with us at events at smallbizmatters.com.au so james before the break we were talking uh in terms of the way that the chamber movement is accessible to the everyday small business owner i want to talk to you about the future of not only the movement but where you see small business in this country heading you're you're, you're perfectly positioned to be able to understand that not only from speaking to your grassroots membership level but also flow through to the um the policy level as well so what's your thinking where are we where are we heading um what do we have to be concerned about in the next five to ten years um and what are some of the positives that that you think are happening at the legislation level well it's a very busy it's a busy world that we operate in energy uh has been front of mind for us, getting the cost of energy down for businesses, uh, including small businesses, and and making sure that the lights and the power come on when you flick the switch at the wall. And pleased to see what the government has done in terms of trying to drive down the price, the cost of power. Um, There's a lot more work to be done there, for sure. And that's not even starting to talk about the emissions reduction part of that uh, that trilemma. Uh, but energy is going to be front of mind, I, I'm sure, about that. The future is digital. Uh, it's not as if we're all going to become um, avatars, but the future is digital for business, for all of us. And we're looking to encourage the government to provide more practical support for small businesses to digitise. But there's so much support already out there. Wouldn't that be a bit of a, a sort of flawed policy? There's there's tons of already government-funded programs that small businesses largely are simply not accessing. There's a lot of experts in their field who can help um, businesses become digital. But the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of industries that feel as though it's not necessary for them to move into the digital space in such a massive way as, say, the tech or that industry. Um, it, I feel as though there's a lot of information and education there already in the digital sales and marketing space and getting people digitised. I think we need to be pushing that educational space into other things, such as helping us become more global in terms of the trade issue that you were mentioning before. I feel as though that's not not really a a place that the government needs to throw any more money at. And it may well be that the government is best placed to actually help to bring some of those or all of those government programs together, which is one of the things it's done with its business registration initiative, taking a leaf out of the New South Wales government, which has done some very good work there in terms of making it much simpler, easier and quicker and cheaper for businesses to get all of the approvals they need through government because you're right there's a lot of help that's available but I find like I think you do that a lot of small businesses aren't accessing that for one reason or another but it's also about business investment we should be concerned about um, the uh, relative lack of pace of growth of business investment in Australia and we need to 
do more, including through government policy settings, to encourage that, and that includes investment in digital. So companies don't have to go 100% digital, but there are they can digitise some of what they do in order to remain competitive or become more competitive. Uh, you talk about trade, and I'm absolutely a fan of doing more to help small businesses get into trade, both as exporters, obviously, but also importers, um, because that means more choice for their customers and can sometimes give them an innovative edge over their competition, whether it be at home or abroad. We're pushing hard on digitising trade. We're putting hard, hard, pushing hard on modernising trade, removing non-tariff barriers, we like to call them. And the the rise of online offers a great way to do that and governments are responding well. We had a seminar in Melbourne just a few weeks ago. Uh, it was the first of its kind. Um, it was a sellout. We're going to do another one which promises to be twice as big next year, bringing businesses together with government to talk about and work out how they can actually make trade simpler by digitising. What else is What else is big? Recycling. Uh, I mean, the buzz phrase is the circular economy. Uh, it strikes me as strange that we don't put more of an effort into um, seeing the inherent value in things that we no longer need. They can be, sometimes with a little bit of transformation, uh, very valuable inputs into other manufacturing processes. Australian businesses are actually, in, in some areas of the country, doing some great work here. And part of our job is to get government to recognise that the private sector is really well positioned and really well intentioned to do more in this area. So government doesn't necessarily have to do an awful lot just needs to help the private sector step up to the plate. We're offering some rebates or deductions or or that sort of thing for, for more environmentally friendly and, and thinking of the future manufacturing, for example. That That's where I'd like to see the government step in more is offering more tax incentives for, for businesses who are seeing the future and wanting to, to support their own communities and, and do um, more environmentally sustainable initiatives. And one of the uh, one of those tables that I, I, I talked about before that I sit on to make sure that small business is uh, not on the menu is the manufacturing roundtable with the minister, uh, industry minister Karen Andrews. And we've been talking about the future of Australian manufacturing, the role of SMEs in that. And yes, the, the circular economy, the recycling is an important part of that. The people talk about... Um, access to finance and this is a here and now issue that unless we improve the access to finance for small businesses we should be worried about the future of a lot of small businesses at all um, the financial services royal commission was necessary and it uncovered some outrageous behavior which is being dealt with as it should be but what we must be really careful of is that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I'm hearing wherever I go far too many stories of small business operators who simply cannot get access to finance, whether it's operating capital, uh, the lifeblood of their business to maintain their cash flow, or whether it's investment capital to innovate, to grow, to buy that technology we were talking about before. But I thought the ASBIFIO Small Business Funding Guide was there to support and help businesses to understand what sort of funding was available out there and become more financially fit. Has that not made a difference to the ability of small business to gain funding? All of these things make a difference. And that's the point, I think, is that we need to be doing this and more. And part of it is attitudes towards lending money. Uh, lenders have, by and large, 
become risk averse compared to where they were before and i think that's an understandable reaction to to some of what's what was revealed in in the um the banking royal commission uh it's becoming harder for small business people they have to jump through more hoops i was talking on the gold coast recently to the institute of credit managers one of our members so we we represent people who borrow money as well as people who lend money it was really interesting i asked them what's the number one thing that you would fix if you were going to help small businesses in terms of running their businesses and getting access to finance and the answer that came back was improve financial literacy which is what you're talking about too with those um asbefio guides it's about improving people's financial literacy in high schools and when because that's when we've got a captive audience and we can teach people these things uh and then if you can get people to spend the time when they're in businesses but often it's a bit late then so getting australian small business people who are people who want to go into an entrepreneurial enterprise to better understand the risks and rewards what it borrowing money involves there's a lot of lenders out there uh, and people are willing to lend if you pay enough for it what we've got to make sure though and it is a real problem at the moment is that small businesses are struggling to get access to the money they need and that's cash flow money and that's investment money and we talked before about the importance of encouraging investment kind of a circular argument we've got to fix the problem well another circular argument you just brought up there was um you know being financially financially literal literal i'm sorry literally aware that's wrong the wrong words completely but what we see is we see a lot of uh, students coming out of university courses who are doing an entrepreneurship courses who literally come out and have no idea about how to run a small business they're coming out without any business acumen and understanding about what it what is working what isn't working knowing when you failed knowing when you need to move on to something else knowing what a profit and loss statement looks like simple things like that and i do agree with you wholeheartedly that if we've got uh, a generation coming through who are more likely and more interested in starting their own businesses that they need to be more um you know have that better financial literacy it's very important it needs to form more, more of a part of what's going on in universities and tafe courses and and uh people who are coming out into the workforce i was talking yesterday with uh, uh senior officials from the australian financial complaints authority because they wanted to test test aki's views on uh, some initiatives they're taking to let's call it uh make it a fair environment for people when they when something goes wrong and they need to resolve a dispute involving someone that they borrowed money from or taken out an insurance policy with made a claim and it's not been honored and so forth and again this literacy thing came through but the other thing that comes through is this notion of being leveling the playing field so in order for markets to work effectively um there needs to be a transparent flow of information in real time to people and then they can make judgments based on where to invest about where to invest where to spend money uh and so forth that's how markets work now they don't work so well if there's an imbalance of market power and governments clearly have a role to play in that they don't work so well if one party in the transaction isn't as well informed as they could be about the transaction they're entering which gets back to literacy honestly it also gets back to issues like numeracy some basic skills and it might surprise people to know that as well as uh, advocating very strongly for more support for apprenticeships and traineeships including in the trades in Australia because that is an area where we should be rightly very concerned about the drop off drop off in Australians who are training for trades training to be apprentices it's one of the reasons we need so many skilled migrants but should also be concerned about uh, people coming out of our primary and ed- uh, secondary education system who don't have 
the literacy and numeracy skills, numeracy skills they need to flourish in the modern world of work. And, you know, we had that um, uh, front page results a week or two ago. Australia performed pretty poorly compared to countries we like to measure ourselves against in terms of their uh, international rankings, the performance of the kids, of kids in our, in our schools. We should be concerned about that because the future of work is a bright future as long as we can educate and train the next generation to be able to make the most of that. I believe that the best way to predict the future is to invent it yourself. And if we're going to do that here in Australia, we need to have really well-educated and trained people, men and women, who can start those businesses, employ other people, innovate and solve some of the world's problems through private enterprise. I'm a massive believer in the free market and private enterprise because I think experience tells us that that's where we innovate, that's where we identify and solve problems, and that's how how we create a better standard of living for people. But we've got to train and educate the next generation if we're going to do that properly. It's really interesting to hear that the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry is interested in that in that educational side because you're right, it's the future. And and being financially literate or, as you said, mathematically in- literate is, is absolutely crucial to be able to run a small business. I don't think anybody out there who has a small business would, would possibly argue against that because you have to know your numbers and we, we talk about that a lot. I think um, w- just to summarise what we've, we've talked about on the program today, we've been we've been speaking about what the chamber movement does to represent small business and the way that you communicate and collaborate with other groups. Um, just to summarise, what's what do you think is going to happen in the next five or ten years when it comes to major sort of policy changes with the government? Say, in a perfect world where you know that the government's going to be stable, which isn't perfect because that's what changes constantly. But what do you think will be the future, and what does it hold for small business broadly? I think it's good that we're seeing the major political parties in Australia recognise the importance of business. Uh, I think the I'd like to think that the era of business bashing might be coming to an end. Although I have to recognise that um, the behaviour and performance of some businesses means that uh, the reputation of business, particularly some in big business, has taken a battering. My concern is that that reputation not um, spill over into meaning that all business, including small business, um, is is in the gun. It's almost uh, a constant PR campaign, isn't it, that, that advocacy groups like yourselves also have to represent and look after small business in that way? Well, absolutely right. And one of the things that we'd like to see is to see the uh, the government work closely with business to invest in making sure that, for example, um, uh, employees as well as employees fully understand their entitlements, uh, obligations and responsibilities towards each other. I think uh, what we need to see as well is a recognition that ways to encourage greater business investment is the way to encourage the businesses to actually take more risks and grow. We want to see well-paying jobs in Australia and we want to see as many people in Australia as want and need a job have gain for employment and that it's a good quality job and it is well paid. But if we're going to do that, we're going to have to work very hard to encourage business, to encourage the private sector to take risks, to invest, to try new things. Uh, and that means that we've got to we've got to make sure that we've got settings, whether that be in terms of the rate of tax that business pays, the red tape that they have to deal with, um, are set in a way that actually encourages and makes it easier rather than discourages 
people from having a go, setting up a new company. Now, not everyone who takes a risk, takes a punt in business is going to end up an Atlassian or um, uh, some other uh, amazing tech company. But there are so many success stories of businesses up and down every highway uh, and every regional um, town street in Australia. There's an awful lot to celebrate. And in their own way, a lot of them are innovating, sometimes marginally, sometimes in a big way. We need governments to recognise just what's going on there. And I think credit where it's due, the current government does recognise the importance of small business. And I'm also pleased to see the repositioning of the opposition, uh, the Labor Party, in terms of its attitudes towards business employees. So, look, I think there are some some positive signs there, but we can never uh, take our eye off the ball uh, because... Uh, unless you occupy that space, someone else will occupy it for you and there's someone else may not have small businesses interests at heart. That's a great way to summarise today's show, definitely having small business at heart. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, James. How can people find out more about what the good work is that you do? Where can they find you online? Oh, look, go to uh, our website, um, the uh, australianchamber.com.au. Go to our social media pages. We're on LinkedIn uh, and we're on Twitter, uh, as you'd expect. And look, very happy to get feedback. It's really important that we engage. We can only do our job well if we have a good understanding of what small business in Australia needs. And that's the way we're going to create an environment where Australians have the living standards they aspire to so they can have the choices and opportunities for themselves and for their kids. Well, thank you once again for joining Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. James, if you've missed any of today's program, you can, of course, catch up via our website, smallbizmatters.com.au, where you can find over 150 podcasts just like this one, as well as all over all where you get your normal podcasts from. You've been listening to Triple H 100.1 FM with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back next week for the Christmas farewell and then back in the new year with another whole bunch of fantastic guests. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.